Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. It's episode 534. Yes, 534. And I've got some exciting news. As we told you, Adrian is having to take a sabbatical. Um, he's trying to do some mega improvements and new functionality to his product. Um, a friend of the show has decided to fill his shoes in for a temporary period, Stephen Saunder. And um, Stephen um, has been part of the WP Tonic um, panel show for at least six months now. So he's going to be doing both for a period of time. More mad him. Um, Stephen, would you like to, um, to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers? Sure thing. My name is Steven Souter. Really excited to be here and be a part of this. Um, I am part of Zipfish.io, which is a WordPress hosting company, but also focuses on speed optimization. So most hosting companies just host your website. We do more than that. We branch into the code and we optimize the code because you can't really get a fast site unless the servers are fast and the code is fast. You kind of have to know what's going on in both of those two worlds to really make everything tuned together and running as quickly as possible. Um, so I come from a background of kind of the more technical side of WordPress. Um, so I'm really excited to dive in here with Jonathan and kind of learn and figure things out as we go along. That's great. And what we're going to be doing in, the, in this episode, and when I told Stephen that we are going to be discussing this, he just kind of, I could tell he was just, biting at the bit to get stuck into this subject because he's the right guy to talk about this. We're going to be talking about hosting. We're going to be talking about the fundamentals in the first half, but then we're going to be going on to some of the new technology, Lightspeed, um, Vulture. Um, we're going to be delving deep in the world of hosting. And then um, if, if we haven't finished the subject, we'll continue a little bit in our bonus content section, which you can see on our WP Tonic YouTube channel. And please subscribe to our channel. It does really help, um, you know, the whole, the, the podcasting and everything. But before we delve in, um, I wanted to talk about one of our main sponsors, which is Kinsta. Um, Kinsta is a well-known WordPress-only hosting provider. It uses the power of Google Cloud. It provides a lot more. It provides a really superb UX design interface, all the technology bells and whistles you're looking for for yourself and for your clients. Great 24-7 support that I feel is the best you can get, but you don't use it very often because it's Ginster. Uh, um, and it, it's just it's just fantastic for WooCommerce, learning management systems, anything that needs some extra oomph, that's what you get with Kinster. So the, if that sounds interesting for yourself or for your clients, I suggest you go over there, purchase one of their packages, and also tell them, this is the important bit, tell them that you heard about uh, them on the WP Tonic show. So let's go straight into it. So let's, get, let's cover the basics. So um, it looks like traditionally um, you had shared hosting um, 
virtual hosting, your own physical server, and then you had Google enter with Amazon Web Services in cloud hosting. So can you give us some details, first of all, what shared hosting is? Yeah, shared hosting is essentially everybody just being stuck on the same exact server. And I guess just to simplify the idea of a server, it's really just a computer that's sitting somewhere serving up your web pages. So when somebody asks that computer for a specific web page, it'll return that web page to you so you can view that then. And so the idea of a shared server, right, is that a server is partitioned out into a bunch of little different sections that your site can sit on in 1,000, 150, it all depends on kind of what the infrastructure looks like. Sites also sit on there. And so you're sharing the resources of that computer. That means if one site gets hit really hard, but it's not your site, it's just some random site somewhere that's also on your shared server, that means that your site is also going to be impacted by that on a true kind of shared environment. Right. And um, it tends to be the, one of the cheaper options, doesn't it? Yeah, it really is because you can really try to fit as many sites as possible. The more sites somebody can fit on a server, right, the cheaper that they can charge for that space. If you can put, you know, if somebody can put 50 sites on a server or another person can put 10,000 sites on a server, that company that can stick 10,000 sites on a server can charge a lot lower rates than, you know, somebody can only put 50. And so really the game is uh, from a server architecture standpoint, how many sites can I stick on a server without it going down or without there being massive problems or issues? Um, A lot of times companies that are running these shared server environments are really looking at how they can maximize their profit. They're not necessarily looking as much out for you. They're just trying to provide you a cheap option. So if you don't have much money spent, it's like it's a great solution and you get what you pay for kind of thing. So like not knocking those guys that are doing it um, because for $250 uh, you know, a month, that's ridiculously cheap. Some people have hosts you know, at that price level. Um, when you do it at that low cost, there's going to be you know, some side effects. And one of those side effects is that you're dealing in a shared environment where the speed of your site can be fluctuating up and down and going all over the place. Um, You don't have as much control over the resources. You can't see how much resources your site is consuming. It's kind of, they just stick your site on a box with a thousand other sites and keep your fingers crossed, hope for the best. But, you know, you're only paying two fifty five bucks, you know, kind of depends on where you're at, but you're not going to get the best service, but your site's there and it's being served. And, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that would have been unheard of, you know, those cheap prices. Um, and it's just amazing how, like, low cost right. it is, which so, is cool because it lowers the barrier of entry, right? Anybody can throw up a site if you've got a couple yeah. bucks in your pocket. So are, the, are, the, are that type of hosting, does it, does it benefit the most from um, caching, um, like using something like WP Rocket or some other caching plugin? And can you explain what caching is? And does it also, if, you, if it's provided, or let's say you use something like Cloudflare as your CDN, um, does, does it also benefit from you setting up an external CDN the most? Yeah, and can you explain what, a C, explain what a CDN is as well, can you? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff there to, uh, to unpack. So when we think about the internet and speed, a lot of times um, 
one of the first things that people do to solve that issue is caching. And caching is really just the store of information without having to do any processing power behind it. So when somebody goes to an uncached page, what has to happen is it asks for the page information and the server has to go find all the information in the database, piece it together, assemble the HTML, send it back to the person that requested it, right? That wants to view that website. That all takes time and you have, you know, a hundred thousand people doing it at one point in time. And that can really bog down a server and cause even some servers to crash depending on how much headroom you have or how much CPU power you have. Like the server has to have the resources to keep up with all of those requests or it's going to start airing out. So people invented this idea of caching. If somebody's going to your homepage and your homepage looks identical to every single user that visits it, you can cache that entire page, which means it doesn't have to go back to the database, query the database, ask the database for all of this information, assemble the page anymore, because why not just serve the pre-assembled page? Because you already know exactly what it's going to be. So caching is serving of that page almost like a static page to the end user without having to do all this back-end information on the server, all this processing power on the server. Um, and there's kind of two different types of caching that happen in the WordPress world. There's server-side caching, and then there's the WordPress-side caching. So, for example, you mentioned WP Rocket. WP Rocket itself is a caching solution, but it has to boot up WordPress to find those cached files. Um, it has to run like some process to figure out if it's going to be serving a cache file or not a cache file, how to direct the user. Server-side caching, think of it as a layer above that. So it doesn't even have to ask WordPress for any information. It hits the server coming in. Before WordPress even knows about the request, the server can say, oh, I have a cached page of that. Here, take this. And that, that's even faster. So you have something like WP Rocket, which is a little bit slower of a cache because it's built into WordPress. And then you have the server-side cache which is above WB Rocket that can send these static like homepage files or whatever page you're trying to access back to the end user. Um, and then moving from that into what a CDN is, which is, stands for Content Delivery Network, think of it as a cached file on other people's computers around the world. So if I am in China and I'm trying to access a website in the United States, that's a long ways to go. Now, light travels really fast, so it doesn't take that long. But when you're talking about site speed, you know, half a second, one second makes a huge difference. So what a CDN does is take all those files that can be cached and sends them out around the globe. So now you have your cached files on a server in China and one in the United States and one in Australia and one in Europe. And you have all of these different servers around the world that can send the file faster because the closer you are to the server, right, the less distance, light, or that information, right, because information is traveling at the speed of light today, has to travel, the faster you get that website loaded to you, like loaded. So the CDN essentially is kind of like caching, except on 1,000, 150, all depends on kind of what mechanisms you have, uh, servers all around the globe. Um, to try to get the information as fast as possible to the end user. Yeah, Does that answer answer. the question? Yeah, I think you did a really good job. And what, just to summarize, do you think like um, shared hosting 
my original question when it comes to cashing in a CDN, does it benefit? Can it benefit the most from those two technologies? Yeah. So the weaker your server, the more your server is going to benefit from caching and from um, using a CDN. All servers will benefit from that no matter what. You could be spending thousands of dollars a month on a server. It's still going to benefit from caching. It's still going to benefit from a CDN. It'll still be faster if you use those things. But if you're on a shared hosting environment, um, it matters a lot more because you just don't have the server resources to handle these dynamic requests coming in. You have to be able to serve these static cached files as much as possible or else your server is just going to get overwhelmed with requests. Right. On to the next one, and then we'll probably have to go for a break. It's amazing where the time goes. Um, is virtual servers. You know, this was um, the next step up, really, um, before you had to buy your own server, um, physical server, and have it in a data center. So, you, And it still seems very popular. So what is that, and um, what are the benefits and with a virtual server, Steve? Yeah, so virtual servers, generally, like you'll see VPS, virtual private server, uh, will be like the kind of acronym that you see there. Uh, It's it's similar to the shared server, except that you have dedicated resources. So you don't have a server yourself. It's not an entire computer, but you have dedicated resources that you are allowed to use. Therefore, now all of a sudden, you can start seeing like, what are your CPU usage? What is your RAM usage? Um, you have a lot more control because the environment is essentially walled off. It kind of operates as its own server. Technically, it's going to be on the same computer. That's where the virtual comes in. It's a virtual server, meaning that it's like a server within a larger server. Um, and that allows you to have those dedicated resources so that when you pay more, you know exactly what you're getting. You know kind of the stats behind it, how fast you can process information. Um, if you're going to upgrade your server, you know, you know, 10 more dollars is going to get me another CPU. You know, 15 more dollars is going to get me four more gigabytes of RAM. Um, whatever that is, you can start looking and actually having hard metrics. When you're in a true shared environment, you don't really have hard metrics because everybody's using the same pool of resources. You don't know how many people are, you know, queuing things up for the CPU to process, how many databases queries are going on at one point in time. But when you are in a virtual private server... Well, does it offer... Does it... Well, I suppose it doesn't because you're still going to have other website, other um, petitions uh, um, on this server, aren't you? So I suppose if the other petition... I'm using the term petition... That's a good word. Um... If they if they are under a DOS attack, can it can it? I surmise it still can affect you because it's going to affect the whole server, can't it? Um, much less than what a, a shared server environment is going to have. So, because you have those dedicated resources, somebody's site gets hit. Can you explain to the listeners? Can you explain to the listeners what a DOS attack is? A DDoS attack is when somebody, um, it stands for d- Distributed Denial of Service, and it's when a thousand people all, or thousands and thousands of people all over the world start hitting your site to try to take it down. So it's and that's one of the main, re- main reasons why hackers want to hack other people's websites, because it gives them server resources 
and they, exactly. So you just spin up as many requests as possible from as many different servers or computers around the world as possible to all ask for information from one site. It gets overwhelmed, and then that site goes down because it can't. And they make money. And am I correct in saying they make money because they try and blackmail certain websites, saying that if you don't give us this money in a Bitcoin or whatever encryption currency that's there forever? they will attack uh, your website for a period of time. Is that correct? Uh, there's a lot of different like variations of it. I think one of the most common ones is for some reason people don't like a specific company, like a group of hackers get mad at some sort of policy change or you know, some sort of whatever the company is standing for, people are mad at, and so then they try to attack it. Um, I think it's, it's a little bit less often that you hear of like kind of rant, like some sort of like ransom type thing. Um, usually that's happened when they can actually like hack into the site and take it mm-hmm. over um, because um, a DDoS attack can be uh, mitigated. Like there's tools to stop that from happening, right? You can start blocking IP addresses. You can make people validate that they're an actual user before they mm-hmm. can get to your server. And so you can start like putting up some defensive mechanisms around that, but it just becomes really annoying and really frustrating as a website owner when that's going on and you can't, your legitimate users can't get to your site as quickly or as easily. Right. We're going to go for our break. Um, We're delving deep. I can assure you we're going to delve deep in the world of hosting. We've got a true expert about hosting, Stephen Saunders, my new um, co-host, my temporary new co-host, and he's the CEO of Zipfish. We'll be back in a few moments, folks. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. Uh, first of all, thanks so much, Stephen, for um, agreeing to fill in the shoes of young agent. Um, it's much appreciated. We're going to go on about um, our next sponsor, which is Adrian's company, Groundhog. Groundhog, if you're looking for a native CRM system, something like similar to Active Campaign, um, Groundhog has become the leader in the WordPress community, I would say, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. Um, I've been really impressed with Adrian and his team's effort to build, uh, which is a very complicated piece of software and they just improve it improve it improve it and it's something i've been waiting for because it's been sorely missed in the stack of tools in your wordpress quiver so what is uh what does it do basically it's marketing optimization mixed with email basically you can trigger different events different emails especially if you've got a WooCommerce site or a learning management system or any kind of site where you have consistent usage and you want cut clients to come back, buy more, purchase more courses. These are the type of websites where um, agent software really comes in and really benefits you. So I suggest you, if you're a developer 
or a um, power client, go over to Groundhog, and um, that's with two Gs at the end, and I and um, find out more about it, buy it, use it. I think you're going to be really impressed. Now, um, so we covered um, virtual private servers. So the next thing up, until about, I don't know, time goes quick, maybe three, four years ago, I don't know, time really flies, um, was having your own server in a data centre, which you could have on a maintenance contract or if somebody in your team was very brave, you could administrate it yourself, couldn't you? Yeah, so when you actually have a server somewhere, oftentimes that's referred to as bare metal servers. Like you actually have control of an entire server, all of its hardware, all of its resources. It's the most... um, it's the most like open system you can have where you can just really go and do whatever you want because nobody cares because it's your server. And so if you mess things up and take things down and uh, poke a bunch of holes in it, you know, it's going to be on you to fix it. It's also the most expensive type of server out there usually. So if you are looking at kind of where the price points fall, your bare metal servers are going to be quite a bit higher because you are controlling an entire box. So if you think about, um, if you think about, I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures of data centers where they have the rows and rows and rows and all the flashing lights and stuff. If you have a bare metal server, you have one of the boxes that slip inside of those big frames, right? It's an entire computer that just slides in there. That's your entire thing. Um, generally, you don't want to get involved in that um, unless you have really, really good reasons, um, just because things get exponentially more complex. Um, the well, I, think you need, I, think, is, I think you need a good maintenance contract. With yeah, a, yeah, with and you'll, you'll pay a lot of money for it. Yeah. Uh, generally, if you're doing things that are pretty mainstream and pretty standard, you want to be looking into the VPS, the virtual private. Is, there, is this still... Is there still an element of the market that really still needs this, or has this become less popular over the past few years? It's definitely becoming less popular, at least from what I'm seeing. Um, I mean, you look at what like Google's doing um, and uh, DigitalOcean and Vulture and AWS, almost all of that stuff is being sold through virtual private servers, VPS. Um, it's When people think about like cloud, and like cloud servers and computing, that's all VPS stuff. Um, Because it allows you to quickly scale things up and scale things down, horizontal scaling. scaling. You have flexibility. If you have like an actual computer box, like you lose a lot of that. So we've dealt, so we might as well try and begin the part um, now. So the whole, you know, we've outlined some of the traditional levels but in a way, it's been imploded because you now, you've mentioned it, we've got uh, Amazon Web Services, we've got um, DigitalOcean, we've got Vulture, there's a, there's a number of them. And, the you know, how do they fit? So they're, so they're virtual private servers, but they're part of these enormous networks owned by these companies. Is that correct? 
Yeah. So these companies generally have data centers all over around the world. And when you go up and spin up a new VPS server, you get to choose what data center you're going to go into. And, you know, you can New York City or San Francisco, Chicago, Sydney, um, wherever you pretty much wherever geographically large city you want is an option these days. Um, and then so you can spin up a virtual private server in any one of those regions. Um, it makes it really simple and like in, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you can have a server running with whatever you need on it. You can have, you know, a lot of them will have even like default WordPress kind of installations, one-click WordPress installations that you can click on. That'll set up a server. It's configured specifically for um, WordPress. I think what's interesting is that a lot of your managed uh, hosting providers like uh, Kinsta or Flywheel or us at Zipfish, uh, we use exclusively VPS servers. Um, So what happens is if you spin up your own VPS server, you're responsible for the security of that server. You're responsible for the maintenance of that server, right? You still have a lot of responsibilities there. But the whole idea of managed WordPress hosting kind of takes that one more level higher. You do. Right. And so you as a website owner don't have to worry about that anymore. And it's why like at... Uh, hosting providers, they'll say like you can have X amount of users or X amount of PHP workers or whatever. It's them trying to kind of cordon off or kind of tell you what they're setting up their server environments for um, and what they're anticipating. If right. you know the handle. Um, so um, they it, would I be so the more traditional like Bluehost, GoDaddy, um, to some degree SiteGround, um, are they? are they kind of stuck in the middle where they've got traditional data centers, traditional resources, and then they're slowly moving over? And and would I be correct in surmising that they're increasingly trying to move everything over to like platforms like DigitalOcean and similar? Uh, That's a good question. I'm not too familiar with like the inner workings of some of those behemoth uh, hosting companies. I know a lot of them have their own data centers, um, especially because they were back in like the legacy era where you kind of had to have your own have your own data center to get the word, the website hosting game. Um, and they have usually when you sign up, you'll see a myriad of options. You can go with like you know, which is very very. Oh, that's why I thought um, we would have this discussion to give some because it is very confusing, isn't it? Yeah, it can be extraordinarily confusing. Um, like if you go to GoDaddy, right, and you're trying to decide what you want to sign up for, right, you can sign up for like a bunch of different standard shared hosting packages, some standard VPS. I think they even have some dedicated bare metal options. Um, they're not focused on WordPress specifically. They're focused on hosting whatever anybody has, and they'll figure out a way to get that on their server. Um, but when you go the route of a true managed hosting, um, you don't have to think through as many uh, of these like logistic or options because somebody like Zipfish like us or uh, Kinsta or Flywheel, right? They're specialized in WordPress. That's what they're doing. That's what they're setting up. Um, you know, there's only so many options out there for how to set up a WordPress site. So it becomes a little bit simpler and a little bit more straightforward. Um, and I think the stability mm-hmm. is a little bit greater too because they're only doing one thing and that's what they specialize in. Right. 
So um, I think we're going to have to have bonus content, folks, because uh, we haven't mentioned Lightspeed or, or Vulture yet, which we are going to do in the bonus content. Which and I have able, opinions on those. <laughs> um, and also going to be asking um, some more difficult questions for Stephen. Um, so hope he's prepared. Um, so um, we're going to have a feast, which you're going to be able to see on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. So if you want to learn about Lightspeed and Vulture, go over there and um, see the bonus content. Now, Stephen, um, what's the best way for people to find out more about you? We up to, and obviously your knowledge, which you've clearly shown. So, um, so yeah, well he- during this episode. Head over to uh, zipfish.io. Um, we do WordPress hosting where we focus on speeding up your site by optimizing the server and the code that's on your server. So kind of think of us as the managed of the managed hosting, right? We get as involved with your WordPress site as possible to make sure it's as fast as possible. Um, and if you have any questions on server or um, architecture or how to set things up, uh, open the chat, shoot me a message. Um, would love to set up time to just kind of hear what you're working on, maybe some of the challenges or just answer questions. I always like helping people out. Servers can be complex and hard to wrap your mind around, um, especially with all the different options out there. Um, so if anybody has any questions or want any help, like just talking through server stuff, head over to zipfish.io, reach out. That's great. And I just want to remind the listeners and viewers that I'm doing a, uh, we're doing an educational webinar with Adrian, the CEO of Groundhog, on the 6th of October. It's coming up quick. Um, Basically, we're going to be delving in everything you need to know um, if you have a course-based website and you want to use marketing automation to make it more profitable. We're going to go through three essential ways of doing that. Plus, we're going to really just have a real feast about marketing automation. Um, You're going to be able to ask uh, Adrian questions directly, um, which is a, a great uh, thing to do if you're interested in marketing automation but you just can't get it started um like i say that's going to be on the 6th of october that's a tuesday it's going to be at 9 a.m pacific standard time how do you join us it's really very easy you go to the wp tonic website in the main menu right on the far right there's a button that says free webinar. You click it and then you can sign up um, for the webinar. And I suggest that you join us. It's going to be fantastic. So um, like I say, we're going to close the podcast part of the show, um, but join us on the bonus content where we're going to be talking about Lightspeed and Vulture. We'll see you next week with either another great internal discussion or a great guest in the WordPress space. We'll see you soon, folks. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week. 